The Money Podcast by best-selling author of Money, Rob Moore, dives into how to make, manage, and master money. How to know more, make more, and give more. How to save, invest, and raise money. The Money Podcast is for anyone who wants to make more money in a job, profession, or passion. For money masters and money disasters. They say money doesn't make you happy. Rob says it does. Hi, it's Rob Moore here. Now, I believe there are two main reasons, in fact, two only reasons that people aren't making more money. And when I say people, I respectfully also mean you. Uh, So welcome to this live feed video and the first uh, money podcast. I'm launching a new podcast called Money. And if you're listening to this, you are on the right podcast called Money. And I'm also doing a live feed. So the two main reasons that people aren't making more money, quite simply, are that number one, they don't make it important enough to themselves. You know, it's not high enough on their values. They have other things in their life that are more important to them, their health, their families, a hobby, travel, some some other things. Uh, And then two, they haven't yet understood and worked out how to link what is most important to them in their life and the things they love to do the most with making money and they haven't found a way to monetize their latent wealth, their um, passion or profession, which you know isn't making them a huge amount of money. They just haven't linked how it can make them money. Uh, and in this podcast and live feed video, I'm going to do a bit of a deep dive exploration into those two things. So if you study anyone who's successful or wealthy, um, and let's, you know, let's say wealthy for this example, because we're talking about money. Um, virtually everybody who's made millions and millions and millions or billions um, have somehow worked out how to monetize what they love to do. Richard Branson has monetized having fun. Uh, if you look at Warren Buffett, you know, he's monetized compounding and his interest and desire for investment. Uh, and um, I could just listen to an Oprah, you know, and, and a desire to help people and a you know, her, her great presenting on TV. Um, Tony Blair and Obama make millions and millions and millions after being president by writing books and doing public speeches, which earn them a quarter of a million or half a million for a 90 minute speech. So the point is, you know, these people who are, you know, basically professional millionaires or billionaires, th- there is no professional millionaire or billionaire. You know, they've done something that inspires them, that's most important to them, that they love to do. And they've found a way to monetize it. You know, they've got graded it. They've become a consultant at it. They've increased their self-worth in it. And therefore, they've increased their net worth. So I believe that everybody is a millionaire or a billionaire, you know, a latent millionaire or billionaire, in that you have something inside of you that you're better than anyone else on this planet. You know, you have a unique set of values, i.e., There's certain things that you love and focus on and are most important to you in your life in order and priority, which is unique to you and no two people I believe that I've ever seen have that same set of desires, focuses and values. So in that regard, you are the very best in the world at being you. Now, if you've made decent money in your life, then you've either got money high on those values, because you know there are some people in the world that just love making money. I mean, you could almost give them any business or venture and they'd look at a way to monetize it. And um, 
And I think I'm somewhat like that. I don't think I'm 100% focused on money and money isn't my highest value. If it was, I'd be a billionaire by now. It's probably about fourth, but it's high enough that, you know, I'm doing all right out of it. But, you know, if anyone talks about an idea, I'm always looking at how I can package it into a business. I was having a conversation with my wife while we were away on Tenerife. Um, Now, I go away on holiday, but I also run boot camps and courses. Um, So I was running a course out there, my Elite Speaker Boot Camp. And so, you know, even I'm even trying to turn a holiday into a, you know, a business making thing, which, of course, my wife, um, you know, she has some thoughts on that herself. Um, So, you know, I'm always looking at the business opportunity there. Uh, And Gemma was talking about, you know, the new stage of her life when the kids have gone to school. What does she want to do for herself? And, you know, she loves going to the gym and she loves doing exercise. And she's really done great in the last few months. She's I mean, she's always been very athletic and super hot, of course. Um, but, you know, it doesn't take over. She can look at some dumbbells and get really strong. And all she has to do is cut her calories down by about two a day and she gets really lean. As you can hear, I'm jealous because I have to work at this. Um, and she's, but she's found this rekindled her interest in, in, in fitness. And I'm like, oh, you could be a personal trainer. You could be a personal trainer to the over 40s. You could be a personal trainer who focuses on, you know, women who've had children because you have and, you know, Gemma's saying, oh, well, you know, I've not got that much experience. I'll have to get qualifications. But I'm like, you have got experience of being a 39-year-old woman. And you have got experience of being super hot and super athletic, you know, having had children. I'm like, oh, you could run a business on it and you could, you know, charge your time at £500 an hour. And you could have um, personal trainers beneath you that you charge out at £100 an hour and you take a cut. And we've got a, a, an outdoor gym and a basement gym. So you could use those, you know, for your commercial space. Uh, and you could have an online program and... Um, you know, you could you know, have diet plans and I'm just trying to turn everything into a business and money making uh, idea because, you know, that's, you know, business and money are both in my top four values. So I'm going to give you, get you a couple of exercises to do. So don't, you know, don't just watch me and listen to me. Actually, I want you to do some exercises. So number one is have you done the exercise to discover what's most important to you in your life and what your values are? Because if you don't know what they are, you're drifting along, probably on, blown by someone else's wind. Um, you know, drifting along a destination that you haven't set. So um, when you know what's most important to you in your life in order and priority, and you actually can see it in front of you, um, you know, you have um, a mirror of who you are and where you focus your time and, you know, what you are most inspired by. Um, So if you don't exactly know how to do that exercise, um, then you can read the VVKIK section in my book, Life Leverage, where I go through that in detail. Now, I'm also going to give you some ideas to do that now. I don't want you to just think I'm doing this um, podcast and videos for you to go and buy my book. By the way, I make about 40 pence out of every book sale, so you ain't going to make me rich by my book. Um, all right, so um, when you ask yourself you know, about your values, you would ask yourself over and over, you know, probably 5, 10, 15 times, what is most important to me in my life? Uh, and if you want some help on working that out, you look at um, what you think about most of the time. And for me, I think about business most of the time. Um, What do you get emotional about? You know, heart really high and really low and really passionate. Um, What do you spend your money on? Um, And what do you fill your time and your space with? If you were to look around my house, there's business books everywhere and um, that, you know, that kind of thing. Um, Mostly personal development and growth, gyms all over the place and whatever else. Um, So if you do that exercise and come up with, it's normally between what four and 15 things. It varies person to person, Um, but it it should spontaneously come out um, because, you know, this is who you are within you. Now, I'm going to ask you a very important question right now, so don't go anywhere. And that question is, where is money on that 
list. Because for most people who aren't making any money, money doesn't exist and nothing that is monetizable or um, let me come to the second part, which is linking it, um, exists on their values. So if travel and, you know, your um, your appearance, because often people's appearances are high on their values um, and your and freedom and choice, if they're all high on your values, you know, they're, they're going to cost money. And, and um, it's very difficult unless you've strategically worked out how to monetize these to monetize these. And as such, money is far too low. Now, I believe also that people's values can change over time. Um, so, you know, there's, don't worry if money is not there. It's changeable if you want it to change. And the reason that is, is because if, some, if a significant event happened to you, like you've got cancer, for example, or, you know, someone that you loved, very close to you in your family, died of, a, of, a, of a, an awful disease, then all of a sudden making it your mission to help other people in that regard could go right up to the top. If you got really, 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 really um, poor, skint, um, you know, you went bust and you, you, know, you went bankrupt, you know, that could uh, reorder the values, if you like, in your life and change the focus. And, you know, if you're young and you're old and your culture, they will all dictate and, and change over time, organically or with significant events, your values. So I, I tell you this because you can strategically get money up there or work out on your values what could be monetizable and make it more important should you have the desire to do that. So your next exercise then, once you've ordered, so you know, personal growth and development, progress, um, business, uh, money, um, you know, they're high up on my values. Obviously, family is high up on my values, which includes Gemma, my children, and um, you know, my close family, they're all high up on my values. Now, I don't have a desire to monetize my family, although maybe if uh, Bobby keeps going at his golf, um, I might do all right out of that, 20% management fees. We've also done a deal, Bobby and I, he's six, by the way. We've done a deal to buy a golf course 50-50 when he turns 18. Um, he have to put in 50% of the money, though, and he'll be responsible for 50% of the costs. Um, anyway, I digress somewhat. So um, you want to look at those things on your values and work out how to monetize them. So let's say health was highest on your value. Well, you know, set up an Instagram account uh, and share uh, pictures of the, you know, the, the health products that you take and some of the health hacks that you've got and build a following around your health. Joe Wicks, my guess is health, diet, fitness must be really high on his values and he's learned to monetize it. And I think he's made about 10 million quid in his books. You know, Jamie Oliver has monetized, um, you know, his, his love for cooking. Now, 40 or 50 years ago, monetizing cookery, I mean, that was, that was unheard of. Um, but, you know, there are people who work at their passion, you know, long enough and they monetize it and they make it a viable career. Now, I believe it's far more wise for you to follow something that you love to do that's high on your values and work out how to monetize it than the other way around, which is monetize something that it doesn't light your soul. Um, and if you study Joseph Campbell, who wrote The Hero's Journey and he's a great um, philosopher and intellectual thinker, you know, he said this in the what? The, I think it was the 50s or the 60s. He said it's far better to be patient, to follow a vocation that you love to do. Uh, the money will come rather than selling yourself out to do something that you don't love to do because you're unlikely to endure it over time. Um, and in the end, you'll probably um, give up on it, um, get frustrated by it. Even it may, may even turn you ill. Um, and, and I have that, that same belief. So, um, you know, I tried to monetize art. It didn't quite work out. Um, but, you know, I found through art that business and putting a product and service out there and being creative and having ideas 
um, and changing people's lives and speaking and teaching uh, and passing on the, the, the knowledge of what I created for myself, you know, that over time I realised that they were higher and higher and higher on my values. I don't need external motivation. I don't need someone prodding me, prodding me and poking me and, um, you know, making me their biatch just to share personal development, business development, growth, progress, um, because that's highest on my values. So I, I use me as an example, um, you know, to hopefully help you really honour that because, you know, a lot of people are spending a lot of their life um, not making much money doing something that they don't love. It's, if you're going to not make much money, you might as well not make much money doing what you love. Um, but also, if you're doing what you love um, for a lot of your time when you're not at work, why don't you do what you love and monetize it? If you absolutely love the drums, become a drum teacher and leverage the internet and become a drum teacher online and do a drum teaching podcast and do a drum teaching YouTube channel and you know, go on tour teaching drums. And there's a, a porcupine tree is one of my favorite bands. They're sort of a mix of rock and metal. They're, they're, called, they're, they're called progressive, but they don't like to be called progressive. But that's the point of progressive rock is we don't like to be labeled. Um, and the drummer Gavin Harrison is one of the best drummers in the world. And, you know, obviously he plays the drums in porcupine tree. But he'll also go and do live drumming sessions. And thousands of people will come and just watch him doing live drum solos because he is so good. Um, Janine has just said, I've been offered an opportunity to use my image to go for paid work via Instagram. Well, Janine, I would say to you, um, I know you, I'm getting to know you very well, um, and I know that health and fitness is very important to you. In fact, you've taught me a decent amount about that. So if that's something that you love to do, if you did that exercise, Janine, and you found out that health and fitness and, you know, going to the gym and the way that you look and feel is, you know, virtually as high up on your um, values as your kids, then absolutely that should be the thing that you should make your passion, profession, your vocation, your vacation. Um, because, by the way, when you love doing what you do, people are energized by that. They're motivated by that. They're inspired by that. Um, and, and, you know, and, and that often is credibility enough for them to hire you, um, you know, to employ you to you know, give them the same result that you're getting for yourself. So absolutely, um, if that is high on your values. Now, don't do it because someone says you should, because it's a hobby that you're sort of interested in. It's important to go through that values um, exercise to check that it is something that you love to do. Now, when you love what you do and do what you love, um, you know, you don't need external motivation. You have internal inspiration and energy. You don't need food, um, you know, or, or rest. You know, but, but like at Harvard University, you can see, um, or all universities really, but you can see the people who are mostly inspired by what they do, the people who become the, um, they win the Nobel Prizes and stuff because their light's on at three in the morning. You know, and they're still doing this work, but in the midnight, oh, like Mark Zuckerberg was, um, you know, in, in his dormitory when he was um, building what became Facebook. So there are things in your life that you love to do that you don't need external motivation. You know, you could do all day and all night. Um, and that is what you should be doing with your life or most of your life. Now, of course, I'm not saying quit your job today because you hate it. That's not my advice necessarily. For some people, that's good advice because you've hated your job for 30 years and it's made you ill and it's made you a, a shrunk you in terms of who you are as a person. And you need to flourish and you need to show the world, you know, the, your true light. And the only way you do that is by doing more of what you love and then other people are attracted to that. So in that regard, what are you waiting for? You've been waiting your whole life. Um, but for other people, better advice is to start uh, your passion profession, your new thing, part time. So do it evenings and weekends, you know, do it in your lunch breaks. I mean, you'd love it anyway, so you're going to do it. 
And a lot of people who become successful actors or YouTubers or podcasters, you know, or whatever that they love to do, it started as what the Americans call a side hustle. You know, it started as a part-time thing. They probably didn't intend to monetize it often, you know, like people who are in a band or whatever. Uh, but as their passion grew and their skills grew, um, people were attracted to them and then they found out a way to monetize it. So the second part of the equation, the first part is moving money up your values, literally saying, OK, money's ninth or tenth or not even on the list. No wonder I'm skin. I'm going to push it up. I'm going to make it third most important to me or second most important to me. Um, the, the second part of the equation is those things on your values that are most important to you link how making money serves them and they serve making money. So, you know, if you're an artist and you love doing your art, how would making money serve you being an artist? Well, it would help you buy better materials. Um, it, you know, it would help you be able to take more time to create better art because your overhead would be paid. And you wouldn't have to sell out by creating art that you have to churn or, or sell in volume or do to match people's you know, living rooms and sofas. You could spend six months or 12 months or longer doing a piece of art that you really enjoyed. You could be innovative and you use new techniques and products. You could test more ideas. You, know, you could do five or 10 test pieces, not worry if they failed and not worry about having to sell them to get a piece perfect. You could do all that when you make more money as an artist. But if you're a skin artist, you can't do any of that. So making money serves art and the art serves making money or, you know, they, 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 um, they dovetail, if you like. So that's the exercise you want to go through. Of course, I used art as a, a random example, um, you know, like watchmaking. So this is a Richard Meal, that's one of my favourite watch brands. So how does making lots of money serve... Uh, someone like Richard Meal in his art and doing what he loves. Well, he can, um, you know, create, he can use better materials. He can create more complicated movements. He can spend more money on endorsements. Um, so making more money serves the things that are highest in your values. Um, you know, money doesn't have to be about selling out. Money doesn't have to be about screwing other people over. Money doesn't have to be your gain and someone else's loss. You know, these are, these are just... Um, one-sided beliefs that poor people, and when I say poor, I mean first world poor, a skint people, that's a better word, skint, temporarily poor, um, but always in with a chance of being a future millionaire. Um, so I think once we, we understand this balance of how money serves our art and our art can make us money, then we do more of what we love and we monetize our passion and um, we don't get to work for a living. We get to live for a living, which, of course, is, you know, what we should be doing anyway. Why aren't we doing that? OK, so I'm going to summarize then three things that all wealthy people, I believe, through my research and what mentors have taught me, have in common. And then I'll just summarize everything we've covered because I think it's really important. So wealthy people have transcended the meaning of money, the projected meanings of society. And, and, you know, and your upbringing and your geography and your culture. So, you know, even going back to the love of money is the root of all evil. Well, really wealthy people have transcended that because actually um, money isn't the root of all evil or the love of money isn't the root of all evil. The root of all evil is humanity. The root of all evil is evil. The root of all evil is evil acts and evil acts are um, undertaken by humans and not money because money is made by man. You know, money is a product of humanity and therefore money, because it's amoral, it's asexual, it's, it doesn't have anything other than the meaning that it transmutes one person to another. So money only means what it means to the beholder, to the individual, how the individual uses it. 20 pounds 
could feed 20 people in the third world for 20 days. 20 pounds could buy 20 bullets to put in a magazine and go and shoot dead 20 kids out of school. Um, and it's not the money that did that. It's the individual that used money as the mechanism of exchange. So what wealthy people understand about money is it's a universal e exchange of value. It's a store of value. It's a unit of account. You know, they understand that it's just a neutral meaning. Um, it's a way to measure worth. It's a way to store value. It's a way to have a more certain future, because if you have £10 and hold it for a year, it's worth, what, £9.80. Whereas if you had £10 worth of meat in a year, it's worth nothing because it's decayed. So it's an uncertain store of future value. So when you learn more about money and understand what money really is, and you transcend the emotional, um, illogical, one-sided meanings that individuals place on it, you're able to use it better for what its purpose is. You're able to use it as a function, as a tool, um, and then do good things with it and, and put your values on it and, do, you know, and make it mean something powerful and enlightening. You know, I, I, I last year um, launched my Rob Moore Foundation. This year, we've just done a little um, promotion of it and raised about £35,000 for it. And uh, my goal is to raise a million pounds for it and then go and um, help underprivileged and young people learn about money, set up their own businesses, become entrepreneurs across the globe. Uh, now, um, I had to be a capitalist. I had to make money myself to be able to finance the foundation because actually it's cost, what, tens of thousands to set up. It's taken months. Um, and, you know, for me to attract the money that I want to raise and do the good that I need to do with it, I need to have had the experience of being an entrepreneur myself. Um, and, you know, and that took earning money and, um, you know, decades of experience, if you like. All right, the second thing then that the wealthiest people across time and history uh, understand about money is that if you want to make money, you have to serve people. You have to have a product or a service that other people see utility in, get value from. It makes their life easier, better, more convenient. And then if you want vast wealth, and that's your decision, by the way, I'm not saying you should or shouldn't. If you want vast wealth, then that has to scale to vast numbers of people. Now, your solution could be small, like how to make better packaging on, um, you know, milk in milk cartons and cans. Uh, and that's what the Rousing family have done for um, what, probably over 100 years now, uh, decades. Uh, one of the richest families that's ever lived. Uh, in fact, the, the, I think the grandkids are billionaires from the inherited wealth that they've had. Um, you know, if you think about what Airbnb and what Uber you know, do, they, 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 they are quite, quite a, a simple service to many millions of people. So if you want vast wealth, then you need a product and service that matters, that serves people, that makes their life easier, more convenient, faster, better. And it needs to be to thousands, hundreds of thousands, millions or even billions of people. And the more people you serve, the more money you make. That's why Bill Gates was a billionaire, still is a billionaire. That's why uh, Warren Buffett became a billionaire. That's why Steve Jobs became a billionaire. That's why Apple's the most capitalized company because they have products and service that services that serve hundreds of millions of people. Whether that's a residual income through iTunes um, and iCloud, or whether that's the hardware that they sell, like this 1,200 quid phone got me, suckered me in, saw me coming, and this 3,000 pound laptop. Um, yeah, you know, and um, so are you serving enough people? How Are you scaling your product and service, your intellectual property, your idea? Or are you playing too small a game? Are you scared of what people will think about you? What's the reason that you're not scaling it? Get out. Is it just a lack of understanding of how to scale through social media and a lack of understanding of marketing? Do you fear that people will judge you and critique you and troll you? You've got to overcome all of these doubts and fears if you want to grow vast wealth. Now, by the way, if you don't, because I'm not saying you should, 
I'm saying, um, you know, I've been skint and I've been rich and I know which one I like better. I've done an equal split test. I love being rich a lot more. You know, you have a lot more freedom and a lot more choices. And, you know, a lot of people do think I just love money. But, you know, I love you know, the freedom, the choice, the ability to set up a foundation, the ability to donate, the ability to help people, the ability to finance my ideas, to, to innovate, to be able to put money into research and development and products and services that I'm doing and make them better, change people's lives, make their lives better. That's what money does. Uh, and then the third thing that all wealthy people have transcended over history is that uh, in order to have a high net worth, you have to have a high monetary self-worth, i.e. you have to believe that you deserve wealth, that you deserve opulence, that it is your right. Now, a lot of people push away wealth. They repel wealth, you know, th through the guise of being spiritual or whatever, because, oh, well, if I'm a millionaire and I've got all these expensive opulent items, then that makes me greedy. And that means I've taken from someone else. But that is not true. Um, let me give you an example of that. So if you can see on the phone here, so these are a pair of PMC Fact 12 speakers. Can you see them? I'll take the grill off because they're much sexier with the grill off. There you go. So these are uh, £12,995. Uh, and, and I realise showing you a pair of £13,000 speakers could make you judge me. And that's exactly the reason why I wanted to do it. Uh, but let's look at it a, a different way. So PMC make beautiful art. They make beautiful art. Um, uh, you know, they're, they're, there is a founder and employees of that company uh, and the founder and employees of that company are expressing their highest values through their work, through their, the wood, the finishes, the innovation, the technology. I don't know how many people PMC employ. It must be 100 to 200 people who's, um, you know, is generating tax revenue, is paying mortgages, is putting food on the table for families. So it's not like I bought a £13,000 pair of speakers and then, you know, I've, I've got £13,000 that could have been in the third world. The reality is that £13,000 has distributed across hundreds of people in that organisation. And then the suppliers of that organisation and the suppliers of that organisation, the suppliers of that organisation. And as such, I've created a larger um, GDP by investing in great products. Now, when you buy things that are beautiful and you buy things that have um, high worth, um, I feel like there's a, a spirituality in that. You know, now, I know some people are going to be critiquing me for this. Come on, Robert, that's a lot of bullshit. Uh, but I believe that I am helping someone express their art and then I'm looking at something beautiful, which is in turn making me more creative. Now, by the way, I will keep those speakers and I will look after those speakers and then I will sell those speakers uh, to someone else who will love them and then that will pass on. And it's the same with a, an £85,000 Richard Mille watch. Well, you know, like there's a lot of beauty and art and expression of values that has gone into that. So if you don't believe you're deserving of that and it's your birthright to be able to enjoy beautiful things and surround yourself with opulence, then you're never going to be rich because you're always going to repel that away. And it's often your guilt or your shame or your fear of being judged by society, that um, you know, means you live a humble life. Now, there's nothing wrong with living a humble life. I really admire that. I know I couldn't. I couldn't live in a tent. Oh, I hated it. Duke of Edinburgh at school. I've got some scarred memories. So I, have to, I always have to travel in style, unfortunately. I'd love to, um, you know, what they call it, vagabond. <laughs> but no, I, I like comfort. That's who I am. It doesn't make me a bad person. I admire people who give all their wealth away. But to give all your wealth away, you have to have vast wealth to give it away. Um, so if you want to give a lot of away, and I'm not judging you for wanting to be vastly wealthy or give it all away, you live how you want to live. You know, I, I admire people who have a different way of living to me. 
Um, but if you want to give it all away, you have to make loads. Now, um, in my book, Money, I wrote about a lot of these famous people who um, supposedly lived in poverty, like Mother Teresa or Gandhi. But actually, when you study it, they didn't. They were financed by billionaires. And just getting Gandhi around the world to go and do his mission cost huge amounts of money. So to, to finance people living an impoverished lifestyle for the sake of giving it all away costs a lot of money that some capitalist billionaire had to fund. In fact, Robert Maxwell funded a lot of the work of Mother Teresa. So, you know, it's wise to take, you know, an holistic view. But there's nothing wrong with you enjoying nice travel, you know, nice, um, a nice house, a nice car, nice holidays, nice material items, because you fund other people's lifestyles by funding that. Now, it's also wise to manage money well, to make, manage and master money and to understand money. So if you only have five grand in the bank and you put 13 grand on a, a credit card for a pair of speakers, that's bad money management. So it's really bad. So you obviously want to make sure I target to spend no more than 25% of my total income every month. Um, and, you know, like I've got, uh, I've got a wife who likes the finer things. Um, so, you know, I, I make sure that no matter how much I spend, no matter what I buy, it's 25% of what I earn. Uh, and then I like to put a lot away for the future and I like to reinvest a lot into products and services and innovation um, and, you know, keep some retained profits to be able to grow our business. All right, so let's summarise this then. I hope you found it useful. I believe there are really two main things, only two things, um, that stop people making money or the reasons people aren't making money. Number one is they have money, they, it's just not simply important to them. They're putting other things like family and travel and freedom and you know spending money on cosmetics and whatever else higher up than money. Because they make money, but then they spend it. Uh, so it's not like you don't know how to make money. You've made millions in your life probably, but you've just spent it all. And you spend your money on what's most important to you. Whether it's how you look, how you feel, um, you know, where you go, what you do, um, you spend on what's most important to you. So um, you simply haven't made money important enough to you to hold money, to retain money, to grow money. Um, you know, uh, one of my mentors said that um, money tends to flow from those who value it least to those who value it most. So people who value money are able to you know, charge fair exchange prices. They're able to build and scale products. They're able to attract in a lot of money. They're able to save, invest and grow that money and manage it well uh, and produce things that create more money. And then those uh, that uh, consume or the products, the services, the taxes, the benefits, they pass the money to the wealthy people. So, you know, people who are living on the breadline, but still earning quite a lot of money, you know, people might earn two, three, five grand a month, but they're spending three, four and six grand a month. They get all the money in, but it just goes to everyone. You know, it goes on food, it goes on um, internet, it goes on sky, it goes on going out, it goes on buying things, it goes on clothes. So, you know, it's not that the world is unfair, it's just that people who value money less than spending it, spend it and people who value money more than spending it pull it in it's a simple equation um, all right so the second reason why um, virtually all people who aren't making more, more money aren't making more money is because they haven't worked out their values and they haven't linked how making money serves their highest values uh, and they haven't worked out how to fuel doing more of what they love with money and the reminder of that is, you know, if you're an artist, then you can create more work. You can take more time to create better work. You can use better product quality products and um, materials. I remember when I was an artist and skin, I had to buy the shittest, cheapest canvases. 
And you know, when you, when you put your art in a competition next to someone who had a beautiful frame, it just looked shit, even though it was good art. Because good art on shit canvas looked shit. If I'd have embraced making money more as an artist and seen it not as something that's taking and, and not had guilt, excuse me, about having the money, but actually seen it as a gift, I could have taken that money and invested in a beautiful frame and you know, beautiful um, paint um, because, you know, quality paint is important and, and, and other innovative products, um, then I would have made better art. I remember I used to go down to a steel merchant's. So thanks, Mark, if you ever, well, I know Mark follows my work from ABC Steel. I used to get all the offcuts of steel and used to paint on steel. Um, and, and, you know, that was innovative. Um, and, but if I hadn't had that friend who'd help me out and give me those pieces of steel, then um, I wouldn't have been able to do the, the, the innovative work. Now, um, if he cut me a, a new piece and it wasn't an offcut, I had to pay. And it sometimes, you know, whereas a canvas might cost me 25 quid, a piece of steel might have cost me 125 quid. And then I had to build behind it a way of hanging it, which might cost me another 50 quid. But, you know, 175 quid invested into art instead of 25 quid makes a better piece of art. So that's how you should see bringing in more money to serve your passion, your profession. So, you know, I like wearing Valentino. This is a Valentino top. And um, they, um, they're quite innovative with the way that they do their designs. Now, their polo tops are 500 quid. You know, they're not cheap. But actually, if you look at their materials and, and, and their work, they're very innovative. And, yeah, some skeptics will say, oh, well, you, you've just been, you know, they've seen you come in. And, um, yeah, you know, just, all the money's on marketing. It only costs two quid in China. Well, actually, no, because I have polo tops at 100 quid, polo tops at 300 quid, polo tops at 500 quid. And um, I, I, I see the art, the innovation, the, the material innovation, as well as the design innovation. Uh, and I feel good that boutique creative people are receiving some of my money so they can do more boutique creative art. And I'm more keen on boutique, boutique creative art than commercial cold corporations, personally speaking. All right, so I believe everyone's a millionaire or a billionaire, but it's in some other form, whether you're the best at chess, you know, or whether you're a great uh, a computer game. You have something that you're amazing at. And actually, if you look at people who, um, you look at quirky careers, um, there's someone in the world that's monetized the weirdest and randomest of things. There's some guy who makes 5,000 pound per haircut. Uh, the Sultan of Brunei pays him to go out, cut his hair, 5,000 pound plus expenses, just for a haircut. Um, and if it was mine, It'd be about five quid. <laughs> so, you know, like there's, there's, there's people who make a living um, playing computer games because they're the best at it. There's world eating champions who make a living eating. I'd quite like that. So actually, if there's something that you really love to do, you can monetize it. You can become the best at it. You probably will be the best at it. Uh, and you can create this unique um, experience out of it. OK, right. So have you done that exercise of the five to four to 15 things that are most important to you in your life uh, uh, go to the VVKIK chapter in Life Leverage, which teaches you how to order your values. One of the greatest gifts you'll, be, you'll give yourself is to understand what your values are, to know externally what you already do internally and unconsciously, and to look at them and check them and order them in a way that serves your future vision and your future mission in life um, that hopefully will go beyond your life. So link how the things that are highest on your values that I believe you should do Link, work out how to monetize it and link how money enables you to do more of that. And remember that the wealthiest people in history have transcended emotional and one-sided views of money to know what it is. It's an exchange of value. It's a unit of account. It's a, a predictable store of future value for an uncertain um, future ahead. You know, it's a, um, a, 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 a way to measure worth. And that's what money is. Um, it's a method of value and um, 
a universal measure of our, our individual and unique products and services. That's what it is. It's nothing else. It's not good. It's not bad. Um, they've also des desired and scaled to serve millions and vast numbers of people, the wealthiest people in history. And then they have a high monetary self-worth, i.e. they believe they deserve opulence. They are the three things that the richest billionaires in history and time um, have in common in believing and knowing within who they are about money and not all the nonsense that culture and society and one-sided individuals and emo emotional individuals project onto you. So thanks for tuning in. You probably already listened to me on The Disruptive Entrepreneur. I want to say thank you for listening. Keep the dialogue going, the interaction. You want me to answer your questions? Then you need to join The Disruptive Entrepreneur community on Facebook where I am very active and so are 10,000 of my other followers. So thanks for tuning in. And remember, if you don't risk anything, you risk anything.